if I can serve a leader who has their own circle of influence and a true leader, whether you're the head of a company or head of a department or really a head of a family, it doesn't matter what it is. We're all leaders in some capacity. And if you can impact a leader, your impact is a ripple effect. Welcome to Want to Work There, a podcast that explores what really makes a company a great place to work. I'm your host, Jill Felska, and together, we'll explore not only what goes into building a great company culture, but also exactly how to implement those best practices within your own workplace. If you're here, you believe that a better world of work is possible, and I can't wait to build it together. Let's go. Welcome back to the Want to Work There podcast. We are going to talk about one of my favorite, favorite, favorite topics today. We are talking about core company values. And this is something that I geek out on extra hard and that I actually can't believe we have made it this far into my podcasting journey without me talking about. But I am thrilled to be having this conversation with someone I can now call a dear friend. Her name is Amber Gray. And we got the chance to meet earlier this summer. There was a Lesbians Who Tech event here in Austin. They don't have them often. And I showed up excited to make new friends. And Amber was one of the people that I left being just thrilled to have met. And now she's just become a part of my life in all the ways. I use her company. I now have a virtual assistant that I adore because of her. She introduced me to the person I am dating. So really, I mean, Amber's just changed my life for the better. (laughs) And I am excited for you guys to get to know her and have her change your lives for the better because of everything she's done with Core Values. So Amber, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. This is exciting for us to be able to do something on the professional level because I feel like now, yeah, we spend so much time together as friends. I'm grateful that our paths cross and now it's it's blossomed into so much more. <laughs> it really has. Yes, it really, really has. And yes, we nerded out at first on business stuff and then on life stuff. And now we're back to business stuff. So we've come full circle. Right. Yeah, because that event was more for... Yeah, we were, we were kind of the two business owners, I guess, that were there. And so we really, really did connect over that. But yeah, definitely a highlight for me as well. Well, Yeah, yeah. We found each other in a sea of people awkwardly trying to figure out how to be in person again after COVID. So we were like, you're awkward. I'm awkward. Great. Let's be awkward together and talk about business. Love this. (laughs) I did mention your business, Trusty Oak, in an episode just recently because we've been talking a lot about the burnout that is happening in the people ops industry and what I wish around having known you, I wish I would have known you sooner (laughs) so that I would have been (laughs) able to have a VA. So anyway, I say all this to say, I mentioned you in another episode, but tell our listeners a little bit about your business and about you. Yeah. Starting with myself, I never imagined that I would be in business for myself. I was a pharmacy tech for 11 years accidentally landed in a marketing agency, a little bit longer story, but I did that for about five years, left there as the VP of ops. And I left because I was unhappy in my job and felt like I had you know, something bigger out there and came across another company that was talking about virtual assistants. And I thought, hey, this is a skill set that I can really 
I have and I can apply, but I don't want to just be a VA. I want to help others that have a similar skill set and need flexibility find meaningful work in this space. And this was the work from home thing in 2015 before it was, you know, the cool thing to do. So I feel really fortunate that I was able to get started before this was something that was a little more common for people to start looking for roles that they could do from home. But I started Trusty Oak in 2015, like I said, with a little bit bigger purpose behind it. For me, it feels like a life's mission. I want to change lives like the way you were talking about, and I want to help people that have left jobs that they didn't like find work that they enjoy too. So it's kind of, you know, it's always two sides to this, the work that we're doing. So we're helping small business owners with everything from administrative things like inbox management and calendaring to, and I shouldn't say just small business owners. It's really any busy professional that can use a hand with some light things like these things, invoicing, social media management. We do all kinds of marketing stuff too. So wide range of things. We have a wide range of skill sets represented. We have about just under 60 virtual assistants, all US-based and everyone's working fractional. So our clients are getting fractional support in a way that really just meets them where they are, whatever their budget is, we've got a plan that works. And we actually just recently rolled something out where we're helping people that think, hey, I need help, but I'm not ready to delegate. I don't even know how to start. We've got a partnership with another company where we're helping you get delegation ready first. So lots of things going on to really help you get more efficient. I love that. I didn't even know that yet. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a struggle. I mean, it's officially online now as of this week, but we're going to announce it next week. (laughs) So yeah, coming soon, you'll see a lot more about it online. I love it. Well, by the time this episode airs, it will be up and running. So if you are hearing this and going, yep, that is something I need, then we will direct you to where that page lives on her website. But yes, Amber, one of the things that we connected about so early on as you were talking about your business was this idea that work could be meaningful and that there are and should be more opportunities to love the work that you're doing and for you to be able to do the work that you need to do to pay your bills in a way that doesn't interfere with the rest of your life. Exactly. Yeah. That was one of the things that when we first started talking, I was like, yes, yes to all the things. And what's really been cool as I've gotten to know you more and as I've gotten to know how you have built Trusty Oak internally from a culture perspective is that you've been really thoughtful and intentional, I think, because you started with that mission for yourself. Exactly. I've had jobs that I wasn't happy. Even in the pharmacy tech roles, my last pharmacy tech job, I could not get out of there fast enough. But And it wasn't because I didn't love the job, the the work that I was doing. It was because I had, you know, a supervisor, the pharmacist in charge that just really did not care about anybody on the team or, or came across that way, I should say. And it was frustrating to be there all of the time. And so I had to make a change for myself. And then, yeah, you know, as my career has evolved in some really strange ways, I have really always been driven towards finding purpose in the work that I'm doing and creating those opportunities for other people. Because for me, that is purpose. Helping other people find purpose fulfillment is really what it's about for me. And I just, I love it. I've, now I'm, I'm living the dream in, in some ways. <laughs> you are. And I love that. And I love the way that you still light up talking about it. So 
one of the things that we connected on is core values. And I want to get there. And we are going to spend a lot of time talking about them. And I'm super excited. I'm going to throw you a curveball first, (laughs) which I was not going to do. But here we are. And now it's running through my head. And I have to ask you this question. (laughs) So you said at the beginning of the interview that you did not plan on being a business owner. And you also came into being a business owner knowing that you had this passion for doing business differently, for creating a different workplace culture. Do you remember where you started? Do you remember what some of the things were when you were just getting going that you're like, I'm going to do this differently? Yes. And actually, there was a book that inspired me to do things differently and really that I think sparked me to leave the job that I had. It's called The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey. And he lays out how essentially when trust is high, speed goes up in business or really in any relationship. And trust is the currency of our relationships. And so you might see a theme here because we are called Trusty Oak. It definitely was a big inspiration in me realizing I want to have relationships with my team that have high trust and That way there's not micromanagement happening. There's not people feeling like they need to hold back and can't identify a problem that they think that, you know, if they think it's going to upset me, if they say, hey, I don't think this is going to work and here's why, or did you think about how it's going to affect this other function of the business? Or, you know, I want people to surface issues. And if trust isn't there, people are just going to become little minions and do what you ask them to do. And it's, Maybe some leaders just want people to come in and get things done. I don't think very many leaders actually intentionally feel that way. I certainly don't. And I want people to feel part of something bigger. And it makes work a lot more fun for me too. So the catalyst for me was, even though I had a good relationship with my boss, I felt like there were areas where trust could have been increased and it could have been done differently. And even after having some you know, heart to heart type of conversations with him. We made some changes, but then there was a lack of follow through on some of the changes that I really wanted to see. So a year later, I'm thinking, okay, we kind of are circling right back to where we were. And I think that, you know, this relationship is not bad, but the trust is not where I want it to be. I want it even, I want something even more. I want to be really to make an impact. And I think that means I need to do this somewhere else. So anyway, that's, yeah, I'm kind of going off on like deep thoughts about, yeah, why I wanted to make change for myself. But I think that's what makes this so fulfilling now is that I have been intentional about those trusting relationships within my team. I am so glad I threw you that curveball. I have literal (laughs) goosebumps. So I've never heard this story and I didn't know that it was a book that inspired you to leave and to start this new kind of journey. It was a book for me too when I was 23 called Making a Living Without a Job that I was reading when I was in a very toxic work environment and it inspired me to have the courage to walk away. And it sounds like that book did that for you too. And that is just so cool and gives me all the warm fuzzies. But can we just stop for a second and say trust being the core of what you wanted to be different within the organization is such a just mic drop moment in itself. Literally, if that's the only thing people take away from this podcast episode, which I know that it won't be, wow, that is hugely impactful because you're right. So much of what makes a working dynamic 
pleasant. So much of what makes a working dynamic useful is trust. And efficient. Because that's the thing. Without trust, you're hung up on the red tape, you know, as we say, with this kind of a way to put it. It's you are not making decisions fast enough because you're having to wait and get approval and sign off and checking. You know, the micromanaging makes things slow. So if trust isn't there, your business is going to evolve a lot slower. So if you can increase trust, you're going to be able to go faster, go farther, all of those things. And for me, growth has been a big motivator. I want to grow my company to you know a large scale. Again, back to that impact thing. If I stay small, then my impact stays small and I don't want that. So you know, the sky's the limit with how big I want to grow this company. It's definitely requiring a lot more of me, a lot more that I need to learn to be able to handle different levels of success. But it really has been about increasing trust. And even as we grow, there's new challenges in how you do that. Thinking of this graphic that I saw that shows the different lines. So like if there's two people, there's one line to connect those two people. If you add a a third person, you've got the three lines, or actually there's even more than three lines. I can't remember. It, it, It starts looking like art at some point when you start adding more people, there's a lot more lines slash relationships between each and every person on the team. And it gets very complex when you start adding people it's exponential. It's not just, oh, we have nine people. There's 27 lines or whatever the math is on that. So there's a lot more to be thinking about. And that trust is between each of those people. So it just starts looking like a big mess. If you don't have trust in the relationship, it can be really difficult to manage people if you are looking at it from that perspective anyway. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And what's really cool and and was not how I... In- originally thought we'd get here. But (laughs) what you're talking about is having a core value and a core value that is scalable and has impact on a team because the more lines of communication that get opened, the more styles of work that come into any particular workplace, the more interpretations of how things should be done, mm-hmm. that is where stuff starts to break down. That's what we see usually when when companies are scaling. And one of the ways that you can navigate that is by intentionally using core values. And it is something, you know, we've talked about and I know that you guys did and are doing. So tell me a little bit about why core values mattered or matter for you and when you really started thinking about them as a part of your culture. We're talking about company core values. But for me, when I I sat down, when I first started the company, I wrote out core values. They're my personal core values, really. So it started with me, but then in May of 2021, I started working with a coach and we did do an exercise as a team to start really looking at, okay, are these core values really our core values? And if they are, then how can we truly bring them to life within the organization? And I don't think there were a lot of changes once we started working through it. There were some that we had to define better because, I mean, I don't know at what point you want me to say what my core values are. I know that's part of it, but one of them is serve leaders change the world. And that one is a little bit hard to get your head around, I think. And, you know, some of our teams said, I don't really know, like, how do we demonstrate that? And so we had to really talk it out and figure out, okay, what does this actually mean? And for me, where it was coming from was that impact thing that I'm talking about. If I can serve a leader 
who has their own circle of influence and a true leader, whether you're the head of a company or head of a department or really a head of a family, it doesn't matter what it is. We're all leaders in some capacity. And if you can impact a leader, your impact is a ripple effect. You can actually have even greater impacts because that leader has their people that they can influence. So for me, it's just a broader impact overall. I know I keep saying impact, but it's something bigger. And I imagine it just really, it changes the world in the end. If we can just keep working to help leaders, then it's that ripple effect goes out. I love that. I want to circle back to what you said about where you started versus where you are now. So when you started out, you sat down, maybe, I don't know, were you a team of one? You were a team of maybe a team couple of people? One. Team of one. Okay. Team of one sat down, thought about what are my core values, wrote them down, had that, knew that. Between the time that you sat down and wrote those down and the time in 2021 when you and your coach and your team sort of reevaluated them and looked at them, did you share those core values with your team? Were those values considered part of the fabric of the company or were they things that you knew and had written down and were living to but hadn't really articulated to the team? They were on our website. You know, that's where people stick them a lot of times. If you have an office, you might put them on the wall. They were there. They were something that I talked about in onboarding. There was a little exposure to them, but there was nothing where we were actually intentionally using them as guides for how we go day to day. I mean, it was used for me, you know, if I realized, okay, I need to take a look at somebody's performance. I would look at that through the lens of the core values. Or if there's a client that maybe is being a jerk to somebody or, you know, really being difficult in a way that's not in line with our values, I could use that as sort of the filter for decisions. And I did just naturally teach people on the team, hey, you know, this is how we can make decisions like this, where you don't have to come to me to ask, you know, what do we do in this situation? You can start using these as the guide. So they were there. And I, I wouldn't say they were totally hidden from people, but I don't think that they really came to life in the business until the whole team got involved with figuring out how do we really want to define ourselves and our values, and then how do we want to use them? And so now the way we use them is a lot different. I could go down the the rabbit hole of that too. <laughs> yes, I'm excited for you to go down that rabbit hole. And I'm asking this not to, I hope it doesn't come across as like, I'm asking you to shame you in any way that you weren't using them this way. Originally, I'm asking this because I think it's really common. When we start out building businesses, whether that is a funded tech startup or a one-person consultancy that you're just kind of getting off the ground... Oftentimes, I think we do have a core set of our own personal values that we sort of infuse into the business. But it's hard to be intentional and operational and process focused, I think, about values early on, because there are so many other pieces. <laughs> There's so many. How exactly. are we paying our bills? Who are we hiring first? Who are we? So I think it's really interesting to hear because I think it is the story that a lot of people share that like you knew they were important and you thought about them and you put them on their website, but they weren't being used in the way that they are being utilized now. And I think that a lot of founders kind of get to that process in their own time. And my hope is that more founders who are hearing this will think about how they could be more intentional earlier on, because I do think it is a very powerful shift. And my hope is that they can kind of see that you went through that period and now you're in this new period. So tell us about what your core values are now 
And did any of them change from the values that you originally had to the values that you have now? Did any of them change? You don't have to give me an exact breakdown, but I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't think that any of them changed, but let's see if I can effectively spout them off like I should be able to. So the first one is keep growing, serve leaders, change the world, communicate with transparency, collaboration always wins, and follow through on every commitment. So what did change is the way we're saying it. So we needed it concise enough that we were able to say it and actually remember it. And mm-hmm. my team can do this as well. In fact, every quarter we have quarterly planning. And part of that is there's a section where from memory, we are all sitting there writing down what are our core values. And then we're rating ourselves. How are we doing on each of these values? And then there's a whole discussion that comes around with, okay, Bex, why did you rate us a six on keep growing this quarter? And so we have, we dig into why is that lower than what we would, you know, really want it to be. And we do that one by one. We see everyone's score. We see our average score. We kind of, we really look at it closely to understand, okay, there's an area that's dropped. You know, they're different every time. We might see something go up and then we'll see something go down. And you can really do that individually or as a team. So that's one way that we've definitely taken them to another level to be able to really use it and saying, okay, we're looking at this and you know we're having an issue in this area and here's why. And then just so much more discussion can happen around solving real problems within the business if you get to the heart of it by just drilling down right to the value. Yeah, I think you're speaking to sort of that lived aspect versus that aspirational aspect. I've done a lot of core value work with companies over the year. It's over the year, (laughs) one year, no, over the years. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things to do. And I think it's one of my favorite things to do because so often it can be seen as something that is sort of on the wall or brought out once a year in all hands, but isn't actually felt in the behaviors, in the decision-making, in the prioritization that happens within an organization. And that is what I hear you speaking to, is we really took a look at these core values. So the ones that I had from the beginning didn't really change. They're still fundamental to who we are as an organization. But now the team has had extra buy-in because there was a conversation that happened around how do these show up in the workplace and are these the right values? And then past that, you're now using them in a variety of ways, I'm sure. But the one you're touching on is every quarter looking at, are we actually living this or is this just something we are saying? And I think that question in itself is very, very powerful. And I've seen it be a great starting point for teams who are thinking about where do we even go with core values? We have these things that have been written down. The best place I've found to start is, are we living these values currently? And do we still believe that these are the values that are right for our company at this stage in growth? And those can be survey questions to the whole company. Those could be leadership retreat questions. But I think it's a really powerful place to start. And I love that you guys are doing that quarter after quarter and really staying focused on that. Being a great manager is hard. Like, really hard. I used to preach that it was every company's duty to provide management training for their entire team. But then I became a director of people and culture for a SaaS startup and realized just what kind of barriers were in the way. 
design the training in-house, I could never find the time. Hire a third party to come and teach it? Sure, but then I'd need to re-engage them every time a new manager joined, and I just didn't have the budget for that kind of long-term engagement. In my head, I envisioned the startup version of management training, a self-led reusable program that consisted of audio lessons, thoughtful exercises, helpful templates, and an internal facilitation plan for cohort-style learning. So I built it. And it quickly became apparent that I wasn't the only person looking for a more cost-effective, scalable solution. If you also fall into that camp and want to learn more, you can visit wanttoworkthere.com backslash management training. That's wanttoworkthere.com backslash management training. All right, let's get back to the show. Do you feel like you've seen a change in how they live in the organization since you've started doing that? Yes. And I want to clarify something too, because we're, I have eight employees plus myself for what we call our corporate team, not corporate in the sense of corporate, but employees that are helping us run the the business itself. And then we've got the virtual assistants who are freelancers, they're contractors, they are setting their own schedule, they have a lot more flexibility. So one of the things that we're evaluating right now as a change is that we have not, well, we've held our VAs to these values only on some level. So just a little bit of a backstory of how they live and where the VAs would interact with those core values as freelancers. So in in the hiring process, we have an interview where we call it a, it's kind of a mixture of a top grading interview as well as a core values interview. And so we ask them, or first we tell them what our core values are one by one. So we would say, our first core value is keep growing. What does that mean to you? And so that's one answer. And then it's, okay, tell me how you've demonstrated that value in the past. So the, it starts in the, in the interview process. So that's when they're first introduced to it. It's in onboarding, et cetera. But then after that, we have not, you know, we don't rate them on how are they doing with these core values. They aren't rating themselves on these core values. We do that with our employees, but with the VAs, we haven't. And now we're realizing, hey, we actually have some issues and they are core value issues. And we realize even though they're freelancers, we have to find a way to hold everyone to these values. It, it isn't working to have one group of the people actually living it out. And then the other, the other part where it's, they're exposed to it, but not so much living it. So I want to be transparent and that we notice that that's been a problem, but it's also a challenge because we don't want to treat freelancers like employees and we need to be careful with you know what our expectations are. So it's it's challenging in that sense. I think there's a way to accomplish that, but you know it does pose a challenge just with the, the way those contractors are set up. And I went off topic too much that now I don't remember exactly what you asked me. <laughs> no, I mean we were talking about are you feeling the change in keeping those values top of mind and having sort of this quarterly discussion? But I think you did answer that in the sense that like, yeah, we're seeing that with my team, but here's this bigger problem that's emerged and we're still trying to figure it out. As you guys have identified this and are brainstorming around it, what are you thinking about right now? Because it is, that is a tricky thing. You can't treat them like full-time employees from a legal perspective (laughs) and they're an extension of your team and, and the extension of the team that interacts most closely with your clients. Exactly. So they have to be able to represent, I mean, they are trustee oak to most of our 
clients. So we do have client success coordinators that engage with our clients so that it's not like they're the only person that's being interacted, but it definitely is the primary one. They're the one representing us. So it's critical that they understand that, especially if we're telling our clients, hey, these are our values. And if they don't see that in the virtual assistant they're working with, and that's we're breaking a brand promise too, you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of elements to that. So as far as what we're thinking about, we're going back to the whole process of how we're selecting, who are we selecting to come on board with us and kind of changing the whole, the whole idea around. It's a pretty complex thing. In fact, our director of culture and learning sent me a Trello board with all of the different areas of how a change like this is going to affect different aspects of how we bring people on, how we decide, you know, if they're working out or not, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of moving parts to it. And I don't have a straight answer for it just because it is so complex in the way that it we're, we're looking at it from the big picture going, hey, pre-pandemic, the type of people that wanted jobs like this were generally the mom of two small kids that wanted to work from home so they could also take care of their kids and still contribute to a company and use the skills that they have. Now, it's not just that demographic. It's also lots of other people that are like, hey, I'm tired of working for the man, so to speak, and I want to be a freelancer. And honestly, it's challenging for us to help people launch into a freelance business. But if you're already there, we can supplement your freelance company by helping you get more clients because that's the challenge we all have as freelancers or business owners. It's hard to get clients. So we can help with that. So it's the people we're hiring from their needs, like we want to make sure we're able to meet their needs. So that's changing, which means the way we're holding them accountable is going to change too. So I know that the core values has to be a big part of that, but we need them to know that from the beginning. And right now that's not been the case. So it's, it's going to be a difficult change to kind of retroactively put into place. Yeah, but an important one. And I think the piece that stuck out for me is the accountability part because that is such a crucial part of core values actually being lived is being able to hold people accountable and make hard decisions when they are not being lived. Have you had to make any hard decisions like that in all the years of your business? Have you had to make a hard decision and say, you know what, this person just isn't aligned with the core values here. I'm, I'm going to have to let them go. Or have you not gotten to, to cross that bridge yet? I'd love to say there's been no hard decisions, but there have been plenty. Just starting with the employees who I work most closely with, absolutely. There have been two people that are coming to mind. Like These are people that I'm thinking about, not just a process or oh, you know, the company as a whole. Still kind of breaks my heart. There were two people that I had to let go. Not necessarily... Well, one was partly due to a core values misalignment. That was a big part of it. But it was tough because I really do care about my team. I felt like I wanted to work through some things. But when it's a values misalignment, it's a little bit harder to overlook or to coach someone through. It's, you know, really values are values and they don't really change. They might evolve a little bit, but I don't think they change. And that's where. It's like, okay, I can't coach this person through this value. I can bring it to their attention that they're not showing behavior that's aligned with the value, but there's really not a lot of what else I can do to help them change. If it's a values misalignment, you really got to make the hard decision quick because it's going to infest the rest of the team too. 
So I feel like it's one of the biggest problems that you might have if somebody is misaligned. So if you don't have them alive in your business and you're wanting to make decisions like that, that are really heavy, it's going to be a lot easier if you do have values. Yeah. I mean, someone said to me last week, something that I hadn't heard in a while, but as soon as I did, I was like, yep, that again, so true, which is that culture is really the result of the bad behavior that you let go unchecked. So the worst Mm. behavior that you let go unchecked is really where culturally you begin to be defined, especially when things begin to be toxic. And so I think it's a really hard line. There's kind of two sides to the coins for core values for me. One is how do we explain them in a way that they are behavioral and people understand at that workplace what it really means to show up and live that value because it's different for everybody and words mean different things to different people. So mm-hmm. there's there's kind of that side. How do they live it? And let's make sure we're explicit about that and give them the framework that they need to understand it. And then there is the other side of it, which is if someone isn't living it, how quickly do we make the tough decision about letting someone go? And I I see this breakdown most frequently on the sales side of things. I've worked with many a team where sales team behaviors go unchecked because those people are bringing in money. Mm. And it quickly can deteriorate the way that the rest of the team feels and whether or not people have to live up to the standards that are being set. And so definitely like to think about it on both sides. One's certainly more intentional and proactive and one is unfortunately has to be more reactive. But I think that when that second part isn't lived out, that is really where values can start to crumble. And I'll say too, if you have them alive in your business and everyone knows how they're held accountable to living out those values, then you don't have to be the police when someone isn't aligned with the value. Your team is going to help you do that for you. They're going to say, hey, like this person is not following through on every commitment. And I'm frustrated about that. And I'm noticing it. And then they're holding me accountable as a leader to be able to say, hey, you need to do something about this because someone isn't holding the line, I guess. So I think it's helped me to not ignore problems either because everyone is on the same plane and everyone is able to, and again, the high trust in the relationship makes it possible for people to say, hey, we have an issue with so-and-so and this is why this value is being broken. Here's what, you know, what we're seeing and what we, what I think we need to do. So we, I've been able to have a lot of help in the leadership part of things, even from people that are not in leadership positions to really hold them accountable. So, I mean, it holds the leader accountable as well, which is also just kind of an interesting side effect of it. You don't think about as a leader when you sit down and work out these values, but it's good. Yeah. If you're saying this, do you really believe it? And are you willing to stand by it when it isn't Mm -hmm. easy, when it means that you're having to let go of someone that brings in a lot of revenue or someone that everybody really likes? Those are sort of the tough conversations. Because you guys have built such a trusting team, have you found that not only you're getting people who are coming to you to say, hey, I don't think this team member is, is necessarily living this value well, do you find that they talk to each other about it? Like, hey, I'm feeling frustrated because you are continuing to not meet the things that you are committing to. And that isn't in alignment with one of our values. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I don't know for sure. I hope so. But I do think that if it's not happening, then that's an area where I could be able to make an improvement. Because 
And really, it's making me want to ask like, hey, you brought this up. Have you talked to him? And in some cases, yes, I know 100% they have because as I'm talking, I'm thinking of a situation and I know that there have been multiple conversations about it directly without my involvement first. So I do think to some degree, but I, I always wonder if there's probably still people holding back sometimes that they don't want to overstep their role or anything like that. So it's another level of being able to say, hey, we're in a trusting team and I don't want you to feel like you have to go to the boss to bring up a problem. Just you know, work it out with each other. But yeah, that's a provocative question. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to finding out exactly how people are handling things more internally. Well, I mean, I think it's, I say that it's probably like the mastery level of core values living within an organization that people can both know what the behaviors are, utilize the language, engage in healthy conflict with each other instead of going to a third party and use them in a way where they are not weaponized. And what I mean by that is when I do core values work with organizations, we not only think about what are the behaviors that we want to see, we also think about how could this be weaponized? How could this be used as something to create conflict for conflict's sake or to basically create issues? So I do think there's a mastery level of that. And I I also will say, I was in a talk a few weeks back and the speaker asked, raise your hand if you have experienced healthy conflict as a child. So was that Mm. mirrored to you? Was that shown to you in your childhood? And I don't think anybody's hand raised in that room. And it was this kind of telling point about how, you know, so it's easy for me to ask, are your employees doing this? Are they going to each other? Are they having great healthy conflict conversations? But it is a really high bar and a really hard thing and something that I don't think we are teaching very well as humans, as people, whether that's your family, whether that's your business. Anyway, I'm a little bit on a tangent now, but I I say all this to say that is a mastery level behavior because it is something that is really hard to do overall, but one that we can all strive for with our teams and and with, you know, values work. Yeah, it is. And I think that's what's cool about having core values and really incorporating them into leading yourself, leading your business is that there's always room to grow and improve and making that happen. So also, I'm going to go ahead and mention another book because I can't help but think about it throughout this conversation. And maybe you're even familiar with it, but it's called The Core Values Equation by Darius Mershazadeh. Really good book. Like all my team has read it. And that's really helped us in in forming these core values and looking for more ways to bring them into the day-to-day We have some ideas, hopefully in Q1 next year, to be able to do some kind of like a a theme for the quarter where it is centered around the core values, where we can actively recognize each other for demonstrating the core values. And maybe there's like some prizes or, you know, some way of just making it a little bit more fun. I know a lot of leaders gamify things and it just gets corny. So I don't want it to be something like that. But in some ways, you know, having a little bit of opportunity to play at work is also good and it brings the team together, even when it is silly. So I think in some ways, there's a lot of opportunity for things that we could do to make things more fun around the core values. I mean, it could be as simple as like a sticker that, you know, like, oh, you get that, you get a sticker or whatever. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but just some way of saying, hey, I recognize you're doing this and it's great. The recognition piece is huge. And I love what you're saying, which is like, you know, some of it might be kind of cheesy. But I think at the end of the day, what you're trying to achieve is being top of mind. This is maybe a silly example, but I just pulled out 
of a box, like this baby blanket that I was crocheting for a couple many moons ago and and ended up changing yarns. This is now I'm going on a tangent. But anyway, the moral of the story is I spent like maybe a year like crocheting baby blankets because everyone in my life was having babies. And then (laughs) I put it away for like a year and went to pull it out and went, I do not remember how to do this. How did I do this? It's a simple thing. How did I do this for a year and can no longer remember how to do this? And it hit me in the moment that like, don't berate yourself. You have so many things going through your brain. You have so many things going on in life. You have so many sources of information coming in at all times. We can't expect ourselves to remember things that we aren't staying up and consistent with. And that to me is the recognition piece of core values and finding ways to keep it top of mind. Because there is so much going on in business. There is so many things that have people's attentions when they're in their day-to-day work life. If you don't keep it top of mind you know, you can't expect people to store that information. And I think that is a really great way of doing that is to to think about and storytell. Stories are such an important part, I think, of core values living. Because when people can see what that looks like in actual day-to-day work, it sticks more than just the words themselves. Awesome. No, I totally agree. And hopefully this isn't another tangent, but I'm thinking about this, I guess, a metaphor that someone shared with me one time, like penguins on an on an iceberg. There's only so much room for the penguins. And when more penguins start joining onto that iceberg, somebody's got to get off. So penguins jump into the water. So I think about that with thoughts sometimes, thoughts and focus. And like you said, how do I remember how to do this? It's there's only room for so many penguins on this iceberg. And every now and then something's going to have to get off. (laughs) And then, you know, we'll make room for something else. And hey, we can invite that penguin back on, but something else has to go to make room for it. So I do think that yeah, there's a lot of different ways we could surface these things, but we have to be intentional. It's not going to just happen naturally. I love the metaphor of penguins, especially because I feel like penguins on an iceberg are slippery. And I feel like the thoughts that I want to stay slip off into the water. And then for some reason, like Britney Spears lyrics (laughs) from like 2001 are just like in there forever. And it's like, how are you the penguin that's still living on this iceberg? Yet I cannot tell you that penguin must be in the middle. It, it, I, <laughs> they just can't get out. <laughs> they literally just like Brittany planted her flag in the middle of my iceberg early on in childhood and was like, this is never leaving. I'm staying here. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love that. And I, you know what? The tangents are great. And I think the more you know someone, the more easily you can go into a tangent conversation and True. hop all over. So I hope that this has still been really helpful for people. Why don't we circle back just to sort of a wrap up? And the theme of my podcast is always, what are the tactical, actionable things that someone can do in their organization tomorrow, next month to create a better work environment. And so you've given some really good examples of tangible things that you have done with your core values. Could you give like a little recap of some of what those things are so that people can latch onto that if they are wanting to make a change in their organization? Yes. And I will again, say read core value equation because he pretty much has the formula written out and it goes deep. They even have a mascot at his company. So there's all kinds of fun ways you can unpack from that. So I would start with that. And then I think the other part of it is have a meeting, a conversation with your team. You know, I don't know which parts of your team might be the best for us. We're a small company. So everyone was there on the corporate team for that core values conversation in May 2021, where we were really looking at it. And then the quarterly touch points of 
how are we doing on this? Another area where it comes up often is when we are dealing with an issue with someone, we can look at it through the lens of those core values and say, okay, how is this person doing? But also getting them to rate themselves. So it's not just a, let me bang you over the head with our core values and how bad you're doing at it. It's how do you think you're doing? And then let's see how big that gap is so we can talk about, you know, maybe why there's a misalignment. So it really is about both individual review of the core values with each person, but also as a team, how are we doing on this? And just so many other conversations come out of that. It really is impressive to me how just that simple question of how are we living this value can just unfold into so many deep discussions about how we can improve our company. I love all of that. And I just have to remind people, you are a growing team and you're still a small business and you are making the space and the time to prioritize this. So it is never too early to start. It is never too early to start thinking about how these things can actually live within your organization. And I would argue that you are just a great living example of what can happen when you put intentionality behind core values as you're growing a team. So thank you. Thank you. Well, that's a huge compliment. So thank you. Yes. No, thank you. I'm thrilled that we got to have this conversation. I am excited to check in again in six months and hear how things are going after sort of this change and how you're thinking about the core values with the VAs. So let's circle back and have that conversation because I'm I'm curious to see what lessons you learn as you sort of go through that process. Yeah, I would love that. Me too. It hold me accountable to actually follow through with all those changes. No, no, we're definitely doing some things, but it's a big project. So six months probably sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, nothing holds you accountable like saying it live on a podcast. So there you I, go. <laughs> glad I could be of service. So for those of you who are thinking about core values, if you have any further questions, please send them my way. We will get some answers for you. Between Amber and I, we are both big, big nerds on this topic. And I also want to just say, if you are a people ops leader who is feeling overwhelmed with the responsibilities on your plate, because I know firsthand I have lived that. I know how tricky it can be, especially if you are a solo people ops lead within an organization. I really, really cannot stress enough that thinking about and reaching out to Amber around a potential VA support is, I wish, I truly wish I would have had that when I was in my role. It would have been so immensely helpful. So I will say that I'm going to put the information about Amber's company, Trusty Oak, into the show notes. And she is also still doing 10% off of your first growth starter pack with code WTWT10. That's all uppercase WTWT10. So if you are going to do that, that makes it even easier for you to get started. But Amber, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And I look forward to talking to you again really soon. All right. Thanks, Jill. It was great to be here. This show was brought to you by wanttoworkthere.com and the incredible team at Podcasting for Creatives. No individual or company acting alone can change our societal beliefs about work, but together we can create a new normal. If you like this episode, please consider passing it on to one or two people who share your passion for creating a better world of work. And until next time, please know I see you, I believe in you, and keep going. The work you're doing really matters. 